If you have your Bible, your scripture, we're going to be in John chapter 13 this morning, uh, continuing on in our series of Beholding His Glory. You know, did you hear about the, the pastor who uh, was voted the most humble pastor in America? The congregation gave him a medal and it read to the most humble pastor in America, but they had to take it away from him the next week because he actually wore it. You know, we as a, as a people tend to be very full of ourselves. You know, we, we think we're all that, you know, and, and um, you know, our theme song might be that song uh, from Mac Davis back in the 80s, you know, oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be one heck of a man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. You know, I mean, I I sing that in jest, okay? But it is true, and, and many of us, you know, we're, we're so full of ourselves, and, and the reason is, is because we don't know who we are, we don't know where we're from, and we don't know where we're going. And, and this morning, you know, as we continue on in this Beholding His Glory series, we began in John 12 with Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and anointing him for his burial. And then we, we, last week we talked some about Jesus, um, the Greeks came to see him and, and um, he said, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. He was talking about his death on the cross. You see, I love this because we're talking today about Jesus washing the disciples' feet And, um, you know, as the supper ends, Jesus, who is completely in command of the situation, he acts out the the significance of his own death and how vividly the details of Jesus's deliberate move stand out. Read with me. I'm going to begin in verse two of chapter 13 and go down through verse 15. It says this, it says, during supper, The devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Verse three, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, He girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And so he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. 
Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11, for he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word and how it challenges us. And I pray, Father, that you would continue to illuminate your word for us, Father, that that our hearts would be ready to receive your word and the truth, Father, that, that, that transforms our very lives. Father, we love you and we thank you. Guide us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the actions of the Lord here give us four pictures, four honest pictures about who he is and what he is about to do. But he also leaves us a a snapshot, if you will, of what true Christian servanthood looks like. And, and, and as we go through this, just think in, in regards of pictures, and, and we're talking about beholding his glory. And sometimes, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And you, you look at it, and it's like, man, there's so much going on here. There, and, and I just ask you to take a glimpse, just to look at these pictures of Jesus Christ this morning. The first picture is a, a picture of renunciation. And it says there in verse four that he got up from the supper and he laid aside his garments. He laid aside his garments. You know, the roads in Jerusalem, they were covered with a thick layer of dust, as you can imagine. And and, and when it rained, they turned to this liquid, muddy slush. And it was the custom of the host, whenever they would invite people in, that the, the host would provide a servant who at the door uh, so that they could wash the feet of their, their guests who arrived for dinner. And the servant would kneel with a bucket of water and, and a towel, and they would scrub off the, uh, the, the mud, the manure, whatever it may be on their feet. And, 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 and if a home could not afford a servant, then one of the early arriving guests, someone who was, was invited, but someone who arrived early would take that role upon themselves and, and wash the feet. See, it's interesting to me that none, not one of the disciples volunteered to wash the feet. Not one. You know, Chuck Swindoll, he writes this. He said, the room was filled with proud hearts and dirty feet. The disciples were willing to fight for a throne, but not for a towel. See, look at that picture. Study it. Because Jesus excused himself from the table. 
He took off his outer garment and girded himself with a towel. And then he took a basin, filled it with water, and approached the disciples one at a time and washed their feet. And John Phillips put it this way. He said, what condescension. What condescension for the incarnate Son of God. Our Lord, our Savior. To take the feet of Judas into his holy hands and wash them. But not all the washing in the world could wash away the stains of those feet which had already stolen away to the priests on one reprehensible errand and would soon be scurrying across town at night for another. See, we see the feet of Judas Feet washed by the Savior. And a few chapters later, we see the feet of Jesus. Feet wounded by sinners. Jesus laid aside his robes of deity in order to become God in the flesh, God incarnate. He laid aside his his robes of deity. Think about that for just a moment. He came from heaven. He came from the presence of Almighty God. He laid aside his garments. He laid aside his deity. And he wrapped himself in the garments of humanity. He wrapped himself up in a towel. This is the second picture. A picture of the incarnation. And it says, in taking a towel, he girded himself. I mean, after he laid aside his robe, a picture of this renunciation, a picture of his leaving his throne in heaven to occupy a place on earth as the son of man. Now we see him putting on the servant's towel. What a beautiful picture of the incarnation of Jesus becoming a man, of Jesus becoming human flesh. You know, F.B. Meyer, he says, he laid aside the garments of light, which he had worn as his covering, took up the poor towel of humanity, wrapped it around his glorious person, poured his own blood into the basin of the cross, and set himself to wash away the foul stains of human depravity and guilt. Oh, we are all sinners. We are all sinners. You know, I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle John earlier in this, in this book. He, he writes this. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, the incarnate word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Praise God. Praise God that he came and dwelt with us, for us. The third picture is a picture of humility. And he began to wash the disciples' feet. What a picture. Have you ever washed someone else's feet? 
I'm not talking about your child. I'm not talking maybe about a loved one. I'm talking about an able-bodied person. Have you washed someone else's feet? Because there's an overwhelming, tremendous sense of humility that goes along with that task. See, a healthy and well-balanced understanding of who we are is very key in humility with all people. See, Paul, the apostle, he captivated this picture of Jesus, and he wrote about it in his letter to the Philippians. In chapter 2, verse 5, he said, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with him a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And now the demonstration of what Jesus had already said, I came to serve, not to be served. And when we're dealing with humility, I want to give you four principles regarding humility that you may want to write these down. Four principles regarding humility. The first one is that humility is unannounced. (laughs) I mean, Jesus didn't say, okay, guys, I'm going to demonstrate humility. If you got to announce it, it's not humility. Humility is unannounced. You know, even nature teaches us this. The branch that is most full of fruit is usually bends the lowest. Oh, we're such a proud people. We don't like to bend to no one. Man, they're going to think I'm a doormat if I do that. But know where the fruit is? The most heavily laden fruit is the one that bends the lowest. And the way up in the kingdom of God is down. It's taking the lowly job. It's doing, practicing humility. And and, and, you know, the question is, is how low can we grow? This doesn't come natural for any of us. We want to be lifted up. We want to be exalted. We want the limelight. But you know what happens is, is in humility, Jesus Christ is seen in us. Because that's what he did. See, humility also is willing to receive without embarrassment. I mean, tucking his feet under himself, Peter kind of pulls away. He's like, he's like, no, I, I don't want you to do that to me. And Jesus stoops and Peter resists and it's a resistance that leads to a rebuke. But you see, humility, true humility is willing to receive without embarrassment. True humility <laughs> receives the gift of salvation without embarrassment. We all need that because we are all sinners. Humility is not a sign of weakness. I mean, here Jesus boldly rebukes Peter in the midst of this humble task. Humility is not a sign of weakness, and humility does not play favorites. 
If it's true humility, it will not play favorites. It's neither selective nor exclusive. Jesus washes each and every foot. All of those feet get washed, even Judas's. He didn't come to scold. He didn't come to to shun. He came to serve greatly and humbly. And you see, Jesus performed this action of total humility because he has a very deep understanding of who he is, where he came from, and where he is going. We don't even know who we are, much less where we came from or where we are going. And so therefore, we don't want to serve with humility. Well, that's somebody else's job. That's not my job. I don't do that. Jesus understood who he was, where he came from, and where he was going. And I think this is, this is tremendously huge. So I, I ask the question, how can we, how can you model humility to those around you? If the, if the goal is for them to see Jesus in you, then we have to model humility to those around us. So think of it along this line. What's one job that no one likes to do in the office? What is one job that no one likes to do at work? What is one job no one likes to do at home? Do that job. Pick it up and do it. Not expecting someone to pat you on the back, not expecting someone to give you praise, just pick it up and do it. That's what Jesus did. He took the job no one else wanted to do and with humility did that job. But you see, that's the model he gave us. If you do it, you will reap the blessings of servanthood. Now, how's your attitude toward humbly serving others? Because Jesus has, in all reality, passed us the towel. He says, do this and you will be blessed. But you know what? We have to be looking for it. Okay? We have to see it. Who will Jesus bring into your life this week in order for you to serve? And it may be those closest to you. The fourth picture here is a picture of cleansing. A picture of cleansing. You know, in the, in the Christian experience, two washings are required The first and initial washing is that of salvation. This is when we come to Christ by faith and we trust him as our personal savior. And he cleanses us. He comes in and he washes us. And the second washing is routine, daily washing of areas in our lives that have been affected by sin. You know, it's interesting. Quite a few years ago, I went to Kenya and um, we were staying in Mombasa and I was staying with the pastor of Revival Baptist Church, and we were staying in their home, and their, their home wasn't like our homes today. They weren't sheetrocked. They had mud with, with branches in between. 
okay? And that's how their walls were made. Their, their floors were made of dirt. What I quickly realized is that I needed to take my flip-flops with me to the bathroom to, when they did the shower. It wasn't really a shower. They had a bucket of water there that they gracefully and cheerfully, and I'm very thankful that they heated it first a little bit, but you would take a cup of water, you would squat down, and you would shower just like this. You would pour that water over you. But what I realized is if I went back to the room, by the time I got back to the room, my feet were dirty because of the dirt floors. So what do you do? You wear flip-flops. You figure this out, okay? It only takes once, really. But yes, I made that mistake. But see, Jesus made this point to Simon Peter when he said, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. And Jesus was saying to Simon Peter that he didn't need to be washed all over again, as in the initial washing, he only needed the areas of, a li- of his life that are affected by his walk in the world, namely his feet, to be washed. See, God bathes us at conversion, cleansing our sins, but walking through life's dirty streets, we pick up some of the world's grunge some of the world's grime. And what we need in that case is not another bath, but just a washing of our feet. The Apostle John, he wrote about this experience in 1 John 1, 9, when he said, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of our sins and all unrighteousness. F.B. Meyer says this is the the key to every act of daily cleansing. We have been washed once, definitely, irrevocably. We have been bathed in the blood of Christ that flows from Calvary. But we need daily cleansing. Our feet become dirty with the dust of life's highways Our hands become grimy as well as our clothes from the the dripping filth of a city. Our lips, like the white doorsteps to our house, are fouled with the constant volume of idle, inappropriate, and irritable words. Our hearts cannot keep unspotted the clean clothes that we get from our closet every morning. You see, we need this daily cleansing. Yes, we've been washed in the blood. Yes, our sins have been forgiven. But we walk in this world and we get some of it on us. And notice the snapshot here. We, we need that cleansing, but we also have a snapshot here of the, a picture of servanthood from Jesus. He is our role model for Christian service. His intention is that we enter into the sacrifice of the cross by relating to others in a spirit of humility and service. We are never more like Jesus than when we are following his example of sacrificial love and service. I mean, what a difference it would make in our world. What a difference if we approached people with a basin and a towel instead of judgment and criticism and anger. Don't forget the scene Right here before us, Jesus washed the feet of John the Beloved, but he also washed the feet of Judas. 
I mean, here's a picture of true servanthood. And understand this, that love is best evidenced. It's best proved by service. You can talk about it all day long, but what happens? What's happening? This brings me to the old farmer. You know, after lightning had struck his barn and and knocked it down, he he was relieved that he wasn't going to have to tear it down now. And then the rain came and it washed his pickup and he wasn't going to have to do that. And somebody asked him, they said, well, what are you waiting for now? And he said, I'm waiting for an earthquake to shake the potatoes out of the ground. And so I ask you, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for something? Because there's no need to wait. If we want to become servants, we can't just wait for something to happen. We gotta get involved. We gotta get active. We gotta do something. And Jesus said we're blessed when we do something. Verse 17, he says that. He says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Think about it this way. Serve whenever you can, wherever you can, whoever you can, and be willing to do whatever it takes. That's serving like Jesus. I mean, we all relate probably to Linus in the Peanuts comic strip when he shouts with frustration. He says, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. And you know, we we have that in the abstract. We love humanity. But when it comes to loving a specific person, maybe someone that irritates us, the process becomes a lot more difficult. But listen, Jesus loves people who don't deserve it. Jesus loves people who don't deserve it. And you know what I'm talking about too. Because we don't deserve the kind of love that Jesus Christ has given us. None of us do. But you know what? He loved us anyway. He took care of my sin just like he took care of your sin. And he loves us anyway. He loves people who do not deserve it. And when we walk in this sinful world, our feet get dirty. You know, if you've trusted in Christ, you're never so dirty that you need to be completely saved again. But at the same time, although you have put your trust in Christ, you're never so pure that you don't need to get your feet washed once in a while. It's an ongoing process in your relationship, in your walk with the Lord. Sometimes our feet get dirty because of deliberate sin. We know what we're doing, and we do it anyway. At other times, we just feel defiled, maybe because of contact with this cruddy, dusty world. And maybe you've had to deal with worldly people at your job, maybe at work. And so you have the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the the boastful pride of life. They've all left you feeling a bit defiled. See, those are times when we open our Bible, we open our scripture, and let the washing 
of water with the word, as he says in Ephesians 5.26, cleanse us and refresh us. You know, you come in from the field after working a long day, maybe working out in the yard, you feel hot and sweaty. Nothing feels more refreshing than to take a shower or to take a bath. You just feel refreshed. You feel cleansed. Folks, that's what God's word does for us. It helps us. It restores us. And let me give you just a little bit of application and then I'll be done. Just a couple things here. This morning, I'd like you to recline at the table with Jesus. Only your feet, your feet are next. He's coming to wash your feet. He's stooping. He's stooping down to wash your needs. And not your clean and polite needs, your dirty needs, your dirty feet of pride, the dirty feet of insensitivity, the dirty feet of selfishness. And he wants to wash our dirty feet and teach us how to live as a cleansed people. So ask yourself three questions here. Do I consistently experience Christ's undeserved love? Do I consistently experience Christ's undeserved love? If not, then you need to figure out why you don't receive that love and get that problem resolved. Secondly, I would say this. Do I consistently follow Christ's example of humble service? If not, then jot down some specific ways you can begin this week. If you're not humbly serving consistently, following his example, take the job nobody else wants. Start there. I guarantee you, you will be blessed. Not tooting your own horn, not looking for, hey, look what I did. I folded the laundry. Look at me. I deserve a a brownie badge. No, stop. You're doing the service to the Lord. He's the one whom you are serving. Do I consistently come to Christ for cleansing from my sins and from the crud of this dirty world? Because if not, he's waiting with the basin and the water of his word to wash your feet. I mean, people need two things. We need to be washed And we all need to stay clean. After we're saved, we will get dirty. The experiences of daily life soil us and every Christian has to deal with anger, with resentment, with bitterness, and with indifference. We all have to deal with those things. We can let those things build up and then what happens is we appear no different from people around us who don't know Christ. We need to come to Jesus to keep getting clean. And every day we should confess our sins and repent to him. We also need to extend healing and forgiveness to others, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Only dirty people need cleansing. And we're all dirty. 
So we wash one another's feet. We wash one another's feet, and, and it's a ministry of forgiveness. It's a, a ministry of cleansing, a ministry of refreshment and humble service. And we do it by being humble servants of Christ and by being in a close relationship with him and with each other. If you've never confessed Christ, I hope you do that today, that you would confess him as your Lord and Savior. If you feel separated by the world, then, then you need to come and confess that to him. If, if there's things that are going on, you need to come and confess that to him. Because what will happen is you will feel cleansed. You will feel forgiven. You will be able to move forward in your life. But we get, we get so gummed up with the muck of the world and we don't even know how to get rid of it. And we start looking like everybody else around us. I mean, he came so that we could be cleansed. And one day we will be the spotless bride. It's a process. Keep staying clean, folks. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I pray that you would just continue to guide us even now. Even more so, Father. Your word gives us a very clear picture of what Jesus is talking about. So, Father, I pray that in humility of service, Father, that in humility we would come to you and we would say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I've, I've, I've messed it up. I've not been living the way I need to live. I'm not doing the things I need to do. Father, I need your forgiveness. I need you to wash my feet. I need you to wash the filthiness off of my feet. Father, I pray that you would give each of us a heart of repentance, a heart to do just that, to come with, before you and say, Lord, I need washing. Father, there is none of us that stay clean all the time. It is something we need on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would cut away the calluses of our heart, that you would give us a, a soft and pliable heart, that when you reveal something to us, that we would come quickly and confess it, Father, that we wouldn't hold on to it, that we wouldn't try to hide it. Father, that we would act like, that we would not act like it's okay, that our, our feet are caked with mud. That, Father, we would no longer be spreading that mud around the house and in other people's lives. But, Father, that we would come to you so that you could wash that from our feet. Jesus, you died. Father, you, you died. You, you came and you lived on earth a sinless life. You came and you were the sacrifice for my sin. I pray, Father, that we each one would accept that, that gift of the forgiveness of our sin. 
that we would accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And Father, that we would come often back to you, asking that you would wash our feet. Father, we love you. Guide us as we move towards a time of response. In an attitude of prayer, I pray, Father, that we would be willing, that our hearts would be willing, not like Peter, not that we would pull away, not that we would say, Lord, don't do this, but Father, that we would say, yes, please, thank you. Thank you for loving me that much. But Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us the humility to recognize who we are, where we've been, and where we are going. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.